Hey friends at home, it's good to be with you again for part three of our local teaching series, Into the Neighborhood. And we're just gonna jump right in from my house to yours, just gonna continue this conversation. And this week we're focusing in on the idea of what it means to be um, working for the good of our city, of our neighborhoods. And so let's, let's jump right in. It was a few years ago, four and a half years ago, when I bought a house along with my wife, Sarah, and my parents, and my sister and brother-in-law, all nine of us bought a house together at the end of a circle in Barhaven. And um, we went there for the visit, you know, when you buy the house, and then you always have that visit between the time you buy the house and you move in to kind of measure and make sure all your stuff's gonna fit. So we were there for that visit, and as we were, uh, were kind of hanging around the house, um, we noticed, uh, our son noticed that there was another kid outside who was about his age and he went and talked to them and then um, Sarah and I met his parents and so we, we met our very first neighbors on that street. And we learned later it wasn't an accident. They'd kind of seen that we'd pulled in and they wanted to run across us so that they could see, you know, like who are the new neighbors who are moving into their neighborhood. And we were really glad to meet them. And it turned out that when we moved in that we joined a really great neighborhood that was full of some really wonderful people. And there was a, a whole community that was already in place there. Um, some people had lived there for a long time. Some uh, younger families had more recently moved into the neighborhood, um, but people got along and took care of each other, shoveled each other's driveways. And it was a great neighborhood. There was lots of people that we knew. Our kids made lots of friends. We would talk to the neighbors regularly, wave at others. Uh, we knew a lot of people's names. And so we would say, yeah, we, we live in a great neighborhood and we're good friends with, with many of our neighbors. But that sort of shifted a little bit when COVID started. And I remember it was March, 2020, um, very early in the pandemic. Um, and in fact, it was actually um, St. Patrick's Day. And I, I remember that. Um, and because my neighbor Bob came and he knocked on our door and said, hey, I think it would be a great idea just getting some neighbors together to kind of check in, see how everybody's doing. Um, so five o'clock, meet out in the circle and you know, bring a drink if you want. We'll celebrate St. Patrick's Day and just kind of do a community check-in. We thought this was a great idea. So we got our drinks, five o'clock, we're out in the circle. Somebody brought a, uh, a portable speaker out, played some Irish music and we just uh, connected with everybody and kind of caught up to see how everybody was doing, how we were feeling, um, and if anybody needed anything, any support. And it was great. And it was so good, in fact, that at the end of our time together, um, Bob said, hey, um, I'm gonna be out in the circle again tomorrow at 5 p.m. This was so much fun, I'm gonna be out here again tomorrow. If anybody wants to join me, come on out. And so next day, a bunch of people out in the circle. And Bob was like, hey, I'm gonna be here again tomorrow at five o'clock. If you wanna join me, I'll be out in the circle. Next day, people were out there. And what turned into like one day, two days, three days, was like one week, two weeks, three weeks. And then all of a sudden it was like a couple months and literally every day at five o'clock, people from our neighborhood were gathering in the circle. Not everybody every day, but if you were, if you had time and you were around, you would pop outside and check in on how everybody's doing and you'd stand around, sit around socially distance and and we talk. Um, sometimes it was like three or four people and sometimes there'd be 20 people there and we'd be keeping our eye out to see if bylaw was driving around. But this was like a regular thing for almost all of 2020 and then we paused or slowed down a little bit over winter and then as the weather got better in 2021, we continued to, to hang out together um, whenever it made sense in our schedules. And at five o'clock, we had in the circle. And what happened out of that is we went from just like kind of like 
knowing our neighbors to really being friends and having a relationship with our neighbors where you would, you know, walk through people through difficult things, um, have some harder conversations. Um, we ended up, you know, you ended up providing care for your neighbors, whether it was just picking up groceries if they needed, you know, um, because they couldn't make a run to the grocery store. Or sometimes it was, you know, providing meals for people because they were having a rough week or things like that. And it was really cool. We, we organized, um, for um, Halloween in 2020, we organized a, uh, a costume parade, an outdoor costume parade for all the kids in our neighborhood. And we did that alongside other families and everybody came out and they put candy out uh, in, in the circle and kids could just pick it up so that you didn't have to go door to door and you did COVID safe way. And just different things like this. And it was like, wow. And we had so many conversations as time went on where people were like, I thought I knew people in this neighborhood and like, I kind of, you know, these are somebody I knew their name or I would say hi to them, but now I've spent so much time with them that we're actually like really friends. And there was this real sense of community that came up and bonding because Bob went door to door and was like, hey, wanna be a part of this. And I know that my life is better because Bob initiated community in this way. And he made our neighborhood better. And when I think about that story, I think about how um, we talked about it in the first week of this series, how God is with us, how God took on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood through Jesus. And when Jesus moves in the neighborhood, he makes the neighborhood better. His whole life is about making the neighborhoods, the places where he is, makes them better for the people who live there and makes the people's lives better. And if we want to follow Jesus, then we also want to be people who make the neighborhood better. Uh, make the city around us a better place because we live there through our, the fact that we are a part of the community should make the neighborhood, the community, the city a better place for everyone around us. There's a passage in Jeremiah 29 that I love where it says, um, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem, Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And the story here is that the Israelites have been captured by the Babylonians and brought into Babylon uh, to live in exile. And so they're mostly thinking about how soon can we get back home? Um, they're angry at the Babylonians. The Babylonians are their enemies. They're their captors. And Jeremiah says, hey guys, actually we might be here for a while. And so what we actually should do is we should actually work for the welfare of the city in which we find ourselves in. For Babylon, we should put down roots. We should um, become invested in the neighborhood. We should make things better for the people around us. And in doing so, things will be better for us. As we care for others, we will find that we ourselves are also taken care of. And I love that one of our Meeting House Ottawa values that we talked about last week is that we want to be a community that cares for others. That we don't want to be a community where it's like, hey, just come and join us. We want to be a community that intentionally, when we gather together, in our gatherings on Sunday, or we, you know, we watch a video like this and connect online, that we do that so that we're encouraged and equipped to go out and to care for others in the places and spaces where we find ourselves in our everyday lives. Um, and that's, that's what we wanna be, is we wanna be an outward focused community that, that when people look at the Meeting House Ottawa, they said the Meeting House Ottawa makes um, 
Ottawa a better place because it's this church exists. And my neighbor who is a part of the Meeting House Ottawa, who is a Jesus follower, my neighborhood is better because they are part of our neighborhood. Um, and so we want to do that. We want to work for the welfare of our city in the same way that Jeremiah encouraged the exiles in Babylon to work for um, the welfare of Babylon, even though Babylon, the Babylonians were their enemies. And so um, I want to take a few minutes and just unpack some of the practical ways that we can do that. We could talk about this theologically for a bit, but I think we sort of, in, we get that. We understand the, this idea, but I think the thing we often get stuck on is, well, well, what are the ways that I can work to make my neighborhood better? Um, because it's tricky. Um, and, and in fact, even the idea of neighborhood is a little bit tricky. Um, for some of us, we live in apartment buildings or condos. Like, what, what does our neighborhood look like? Uh, the reality of life in 2021 is that um, for many of us, the people that we are closest to are not the people that we live in physical proximity to, but people that we know uh, that in communities online. Um, we may go to school with or work with people that we've never been in the same physical space with. We may have close friendships with people that live in other countries or on other continents. And so, though, and we may still think of those people as our neighbors. And so we need to, you know, have an open concept of what neighborhood is. Um, when I talk, when I give some suggestions here, most of them will, um, I'll be talking about mostly in the context of neighborhoods as like physical spaces and like the streets and community where you actually physically live. Um, but I think the principles are pretty transferable to other types of neighborhood as well. And so you can make that sort of application. So why don't we jump into some of the ways that we can work for the welfare, work for the good of the city, of the neighborhood. Um, one is um, that we should love people, not projects. Because this is one of the tricky things that I always run into, even for myself, when I have these sorts of conversations or listen to a teaching along these lines, is it's like, yeah, we should work for the good of the city. We should be making the world around us a better place. So I feel that I need to do something now. I feel compelled to do that, which is good. But my motivation then becomes, well, this is something that I need to do. And so uh, it becomes a to-do item on my checklist. And so then, all of my motivation for working for the, uh, for the neighborhood, for loving my neighbor, is that this is actually something I need to do. And so then what happens is that people just become sort of props in the um, story, the narrative of my self-actualization. Is it, I'm centering myself, I'm saying like, well, this is something I need to do, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna befriend some neighbors, and I'm gonna do some good things for them, because I need to do this for me. And that often leads to a lot of harm. Um, there's a great quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer who says, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create community. And what, so what Bonhoeffer is getting at there is if we start with love, if we just love people, then inevitably out of that will come community. But if we have this goal, if we say, okay, I want to create this type of community or I'm going to be a person who creates community, then we start using people. Danielle Strickland says, people can either become functional, com functional commodities or friends. It's one or the other. People can become either functional commodities or friends. It's one or the other. And so we need to make sure that we are not using people, but that we are loving people. Um, and so um, people need us to be their friend, not their savior. They just, they just need us to be there for them. And so. 
our motivation out of all this has to be to love our neighbors. And to love them is not to, to have a relationship with them with, a, with with an agenda in mind, but to just the agenda being that I would like to be friends with you. I would like to I would like to be in a relationship with you. And that I with no um, preconceived notion of what that's going to look like or expectations of, of what this relationship is going to bring um, for myself, for you, but just being open to relationship because we can't control relationships. We just, we just participate in them. So we need to love people, not projects. Related to that is that we, we, we don't want to be a Columbus. We just saw American Thanksgiving and we know the story of uh, Columbus coming to America. Uh, we know about the harms of colonization. We do a land acknowledgement in every one of our in-person gatherings now um, because we acknowledge the harm that has been done when somebody come, when, when people come in uh, and they just assume that they own the place and that they have a manifest destiny to, to do whatever they want and that they know best. And that creates tremendous harm. And so instead of that, we should not come into our neighborhoods with the idea that we have all the answers, that we uh, know what's best for the neighborhood, that we're here to, to save everybody and everything. No, our posture towards the neighborhood needs to be one of curiosity and collaboration. Um, because our neighborhoods are full of really interesting, wonderful people who have tremendous gifts that they can offer us. And actually our role in the neighborhood is often just to listen and to learn and to be explorers, not conquerors, explorers, where we're saying, hey, let's uncover what amazing things are happening here. And if we approach our neighborhood with the idea that Jesus is already present in the neighborhood and in the people who live there, and then it's our job to just sort of be open and discover how is Jesus at work in this community? What is Jesus already doing? How, what new fresh ways can I understand Jesus as he's revealed through the people um, in this community? then we take a much more uh, healthy, helpful posture. And it's there's some really good practical stuff here too. It's gonna save us a bunch of time and energy because um, I've talked to my uh, some friends who are a part of, you know, sort of community development and neighborhood focus. And they say all the time, you know, churches and Christians often have this tendency to come into the neighborhood and say like, okay, well, we wanna do this and this and this. And they're like, that's great. Those were all good things that the neighborhood could use. Uh, however, did you know that the public library already offers those things um, and they have a bigger budget, they've been here longer, they're more experienced and they're more connected than you are already. So you could start those things or you could partner with what the local library is already doing. And I think we will often discover a lot of things that we think, oh, well, this you know, no, nobody ever thought of this or this is not we can already find that those are happening in the neighborhood and we can come alongside and support those things and collaborate with what's already happening in the neighborhood instead of sort of um, overlaying our ideas on top of what we think should be happening in the neighborhood. So curiosity and collaboration, don't be a Columbus. And to help us with that, number three is that we need to find a guide. Again, this is as much for uh, efficiency and saving ourselves effort and failure uh, than it is for any other reason. But um, there are, you know, it, it, I just moved into a new, new neighborhood in August. And I've, so I've been here for three months. And there's so much about this community I don't know yet. So much I don't know. And I, I could spend, you know, the next five, 10 years learning all about this community and meeting people and, and doing that. Um, and I, and I, that may be what I do. 
But one quicker way to help in that process is to just simply find a guide. There are already people in my neighborhood and in your neighborhood who are well-connected, who know what's going on, they know a lot of the people, they know the needs of the community, and they can point you in the right direction of, of ways that you can help, ways that you can get involved. They can tell you what the needs of the community are. They can tell you who you need to know in order to, to be a part of things. And those guides are often, um, you, know, you often find them as baristas, bartenders, librarians, people who are connected to the community, who know what's happening in the community. And what you need to do is just find who one or two of those people are in your community and make friends with them. And as you make friends with them, they will inevitably draw you into the circle of what's happening in the neighborhood. It's interesting, right? Um, I always have this idea that if we, as Jesus followers, that, you know, if we are centering our, our lives around Jesus, if we, if our lives orbit around Jesus at the center of our lives, then when we, my thought is always that we try and draw people into the gravitational pull of our lives. And as we draw them into the, we just, we just make friends. That's all we do is we just say, hey, come be a part of my life. Join my social circle. Um, you know, let's be friends. And as they become friends and they, they join our social circle, then inevitably, um, you know, they will be introduced to Jesus because Jesus is the center of my life. And so there's going to be a connection that way. Um, in the same way, you know, it, it works other ways too, right? So if, if you have somebody in your community who is already connected to the community, if you join the orbit of their lives, if you become their friend, if you become somebody that if, um, develop a relationship with them, then, you know, then you're going to be connected to the community in a much quicker, easier way um, than before. And so finding a guide is will make things so much easier for you as you connect to community. Uh, I'm still looking for my guide here in my in my new neighborhood, um, but that's a, that for me, that's a, gonna be a key step in getting connected to my communities, figuring out who's who around here and making those connections. Number four, consistency is key. Uh, there's a lyric from the new Adele record where she says, you know, consistency is the gift to give for free and it is key. Um, there's this idea, and, and consistency is key, not just in you know developing a relationship with Adele, but in, in our relationship and care for the neighborhood. When we moved into that house in Barhaven, we, did, we wanted to make connections with our neighborhood, and so we had this great idea that we'd throw a block party, and we'd invited all of our neighbors, we printed out flyers, and you know, booked a musical guest, and had a whole thing, and it was great. It was really, it was really a fun time. Um, but we didn't have, we didn't follow up on it with anything. It was just like, hey, this chance to meet neighbors. Okay, now we met at them. And then, you know, there were people that we would say hi to. And relationships developed, but we, um, we just did one thing. What ended up having a much bigger impact was when somebody like Bob said, hey, I'm gonna be outside at 5 p.m. every day. And day after day, that consistency of being available, that consistency of gathering the community on a regular basis, the consistency of seeing each other um, helped deepen relationships and create connection in a way that went way beyond what we were able to do with like a, a one-off block party. And so when we think about working for the welfare of the city, the good of the neighborhood, um, we need to be thinking long-term, not just like, hey, what's going to have an impact this week or this month? We can often think about, you know, okay, again, that sort of checking things off the to-do list. Okay, what can I do right now? And then when I get that done, then we're done. Um, but no, it's like, I need to consistently be showing up and thinking long-term, um, what, what does it look like for me 
to be invested and connected to this community five years from now, 10 years from now, and working towards that, um, not just like thinking really short term. Because small things done over long periods of time end up having the biggest impact. Um, those small actions that we do, we can often think so big, I need, to, I need to make a big difference in my neighborhood. And it's actually like, you know, the small things that you do, even just for one person, if you do that consistently over a period of time, will have a bigger impact than I did this really big thing. I, I organized this huge uh, connection in our neighborhood. Um, and one of the great ways to do this, to be consistent, is to figure out what are the third spaces in your community. And by third spaces, those are the places where you're, uh, those aren't your home and those aren't your work, but they're places like coffee shops, libraries, um, places where people hang out and, and have connection. A lot of places that were closed during um, COVID, but have reopened now. And so places where you can spend some time. And if you show up at those spaces consistently, once a week, you know, or more often, depending on if you can in your schedule, you'll often see many of the same people, you'll get to know who works there, and you'll become a part of the fabric of the community. You'll become a character in the narrative of the, of the neighborhood just by consistently showing up and being open to creating connections. Um, so consistency is key. And so, you know, think about how you might, what are, where are the places or the ways that you might be able to show up consistently in your neighborhood. Number five is to move at the speed of love. And what I mean by that is, I mean that you should walk everywhere whenever possible. Because walking immerses us in our neighborhood. It engages all of our senses. We can smell fresh bread cooking. We can smell the garbage that perhaps needs to be cleaned up. We can hear the sounds, the conversations that are having in our neighborhood. Our vehicles um, block our senses from experiencing the neighborhood and we move through our neighborhood so quickly that we can't even really see and observe what's going on. But by slowing down and taking the time to walk through our neighborhoods and to, to really see them opens up opportunities for us to interact with people, because which we can't do from our cars. Um, but it also helps us to understand and learn about our neighborhood in a much more meaningful way. It creates the possibility for connection. There's this great quote, it says, love has its speed. It is a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice it or not, at three miles an hour. It is the speed we walk and therefore the speed the love of God walks. I love this quote because it gives the idea that walking is the speed of love because that is this three miles an hour is the speed at which human beings move throughout the world. That's the speed, that, average speed that we walk. And so, of course, if God is with us and God walks with us, then God also moves at three miles an hour. And I love this idea that if God is with us, God slows down and moves the speed that we move. And so love is moving at the speed of the community around us, moving at the speed of just being a regular human being. And so there's this theological idea and also this practical idea. So if, if love moves at the speed of just regular human life, then I think there's this wonderful call for us to, whenever possible, to move at that speed throughout our neighborhoods, to just slow down and walk. It's gonna take more time, it takes more intention, but it also, um, also makes things, uh, allows us greater connection and allows us greater, um, greater connection to our neighborhood. All right, number six is be front porch people. Now, you might be saying, like, I don't have a front porch. And that's okay, because being a front porch person is just a metaphor. 
Um, being a front porch person is this idea that we need to make ourselves available to the community and remove barriers to connection. So a lot of us have backyards. You can see mine over there. Um, but to get my backyard, you I live in a townhouse, so you have to go all the way around and you have to come through my house, you have to go all the way around and through a gate. It's not super accessible. My front steps are right there, it faces everybody in the neighborhood. Um, and so the backyard is like, oh, that's like an invite only space. Um, I can only um, invite you in. But the front porch is, hey, I'm available, I'm open. If you were walking by, we can stop, you can stop and we can chat. And it's a way of saying like, I'm here for you in the neighborhood. And I think that's such an important thing because um, presence is way more important than production in our neighborhoods. It's way more important for us to be present than for us to be even like doing something for our neighborhood. Just our, the fact that we are sitting there and saying, hey, I'm available, I'm a part of this community, um, I'd love to connect. You know, just the fact of being on your front porch sends that message um, and that allows us to make more connections in that way. And so that idea of presence, of, being, of making ourselves available is really important. Steve McDowell says, in creating space for our neighbors, we subvert the cultural idol of productivity. When we are present with our neighbors around dinner tables, on porches, and in local parks, we open up space for life-giving relationships to be deepened, for collaborative opportunities to arise, and for creativity to be co-inspired. And so what Steve's getting out there is again, this idea of if we just make ourselves available, um, whether it's on our front porch or being in a local park or figuring out what works for your space in your neighborhood, that that's gonna make a, a big difference in, and it allows you to, to connect to people in a way that wouldn't be possible if you were always indoors or, you know, we always live in these, we often live in these places where you know, people just pull into their, their garage and then they go into their house and, and there's never a possibility for connection. And so we wanna subvert that and make ourselves available uh, and make our presence part of the neighborhood. The last thing, the last way that we can um, connect and work for the good of our neighborhood is to be vulnerable. I love how in the story of Christmas, you know, Jesus comes down and he's a baby. And so of course he needs to be cared for in the way that baby always does. And so there's real vulnerability there. But throughout Jesus' life, he also needs, um, he doesn't own a home. And so he often travels and he just stays at people's places. He relies on the care and generosity of other people. Jesus lives a life of vulnerability um, where he re relies on others um, for what he needs. And in the same way, we, it, it creates relationship when we, uh, and connection when we are vulnerable uh, to the people around us. So we moved into this house back in August of this year and Bell screwed up the installation of our Wi-Fi. So we we're gonna be about two weeks without Wi-Fi, which when you work from home is a bit of a problem. And so I was in a bit of a bind. Um, there's not really any great coffee shops in my neighborhood. It's a very small town uh, outside of Ottawa. And so I was like, I don't know where I'm gonna, I'm gonna work. And so I went and I knocked on my neighbor's door and I said, hey, uh, I'm Eric. I think we've you know, met in the driveway once and I don't have any Wi-Fi. I need to do some work. Can I borrow your Wi-Fi password? And they said, sure. And um, got talking and then, you know, when we finally got our Wi-Fi, I gave them a bottle of wine, and then now um, my kid babysits their cat when they're away, and we've talked and had some meaningful conversations, and there's a beginning of a relationship there, which is great, and we're so glad for that connection, and uh, looking forward to seeing where it goes. But I love that that sort of vulnerability became sort of the starting point for that relationship of like, actually, I need your help. 
And I think so often we can approach our neighborhood with the idea of like, okay, well, what can I bring to the table? What is it that I need to do? Um, and from that posture of, you know, being the one who needs to be the helper instead of the one who actually receives help. And I think that's what Jeremiah is getting at in when he says, you know, work for the welfare of the city so that uh, in the same way, you know, you'll receive your welfare. That there's this relationship between us and our neighbors that um, it's not just about us giving, um, but that when we give and receive, when we are allow ourselves to be vulnerable, then um, we can offer, we can help take care of the needs of our neighborhood and benefit the neighborhood. Um, but at the same time, the neighborhood also then helps take care of our needs and we receive benefit and becomes this symbiotic relationship where everybody is caring for each other. And that actually sounds very much like the church is called to be and like how uh, how as Jesus followers were called to live, where we there's mutual care for each other. And so vulnerability allows that to happen. And so it's not this like, I know what's best and I'm gonna just take care of you and I'm up here and you're down there, but it allows us to actually then become equals and care for one another. So those are some really practical steps and think about how they apply in your own neighborhood. And to give you some resources to do that, um, in the links below, there's gonna be some links to a couple articles um, that you can click on and read more about um, some small practical ways that you can get uh, involved in helping your neighborhood. There's also gonna be a link below um, for our Praying in Place podcast, which uh, we've created here in Meeting House Ottawa. And the idea is that you can walk around your neighborhood, listen to each of the episodes, and it's a guided meditative um, prayer podcast that you uh, would just pray along with and to help you focus on different places and spaces within your neighborhood, within your home, within yourself, and allows you to begin to do that sort of imaginative thinking about um, how you can work for the better of the neighborhood, to, to listen, to learn, and to begin to slow down and do that work of being present in your neighborhood and walking through your neighborhood and seeing what's actually happening. And last but not least, in December, you're going to see on all of our Meeting House social media channels, um, Joy to the Street. And it's, uh, again, Christmas is coming up and Christmas is a great opportunity for connection with neighbors. And there's gonna be a bunch of ideas in there of practical things that you can do over the holiday season to, uh, to begin to connect with neighbors. And at different points in your, wherever you're at in your neighborhood journey, whether you know your neighbors well, or whether you don't even know their names, um, or in whatever space you're in, some ideas of things that you could do to maybe begin to develop relationships and begin to work for the good of the neighborhood where you find yourself. And so look for those in the coming weeks. And then on January 2nd, we're actually going to take a Joy to the Street Sunday where we're not going to meet in person, um, but we're gonna suggest that you find ways to bring some joy to the street at home in your neighborhood. All right, so I'll be, why don't we just take a second and we close in prayer as we think about what it means to love our neighborhoods well. Heavenly Father, we think about the way that you are with us, that you took on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And we think about this idea that, that as you moved in the neighborhood, it became your, your life, death, resurrection, your example made everything better for all of us. And we want to, in the same way, make things better for the neighborhoods around us. Not in a way where we know best and we just kind of take over, but in a way where we have a mutually caring relationship with our neighbors and the people around us, where we really care about people and we are, are driven by love and friendship. And so we may live in different neighborhoods. We may be doing different things. Um, our situations may all look different. And so God, I just pray that you would help us 
as we think about these different ways that we can um, work for the good of our neighborhood, um, that you would guide us to think about what, figure out which ones are the right next step for us. Give us a heart for caring for our neighbors and the communities in which we find ourselves. And, uh, and I would just pray that as a church, that that would be a real focus of ours, that we would be invested in both as a collective and as individuals, caring for the people and the neighborhoods around us. In Jesus' name, amen.